Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Ujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, April 20th. Coming up, how Cold War stealth bombers parked near Kansas City could play a new role in today's military conflicts. Plus, leaders of several suburban school districts in Kansas are pushing back against a plan that would let students from outside their districts attend their public schools. Some lawmakers say they're excluding kids and being elitist. We want our high socioeconomic status to remain. We're born on third and think we hit a triple and we don't want anyone interfering with that. The Kansas News Service will tell us about the debate over open enrollment. But first, some headlines. Kansas City police officers will now be able to live on the Kansas side of the metro. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal reports the Board of Police Commissioners approved the relaxed residency policy yesterday. The Missouri legislature relaxed the residency requirement last year, allowing officers to live within 30 miles of Kansas City, but only in Missouri. Now, officers can live across the state line in Kansas, as long as it's still within 30 miles of Kansas City. Mayor Quinton Lucas was the only board member to oppose the policy change. I think we're creating an inconsistency with what the state legislature has thought, an inconsistency with the viewpoint of city council, something that is not proven to enhance either recruiting or retention. Police Chief Rick Smith, who is retiring on Friday, said the change would help with recruitment. The Missouri House of Representatives has passed a bill establishing a Parents' Bill of Rights, which would let parents review public school curricula. School districts that violate the new requirements could be sued and lose state funding. Republican Representative Ben Baker of southwestern Missouri sponsored the bill. He said parents should be the ultimate authority when it comes to education. This is about Those who have concerns about the content of the classroom and classroom materials, what is being put in front of their child. Governor Laura Kelly of Kansas vetoed such a bill last week. Opponents of parents' Bill of Rights legislation say it places an undue burden on schools and could cause more teachers to quit. The Missouri bill now goes to the state Senate. Travelers are adjusting to the announcement that major airlines at Kansas City International Airport have removed their mask requirements. Patrick Peebles and his wife were flying from KCI to Spain yesterday, but he worried that without the mandate, their fully booked flight would have both unmasked and unvaccinated passengers. In fact, it is more likely that we would not have gone if we knew there was not going to be a mask mandate. A federal judge on Monday struck down the Centers for Disease Control's mask mandate for public transportation, including planes. The B-2 stealth bombers parked about 60 miles east of Kansas City are relics of the Cold War. But the lumbering batwing planes give the U.S. Air Force the power to hit even the most heavily defended targets anywhere in the world. KCUR's Frank Morris reports that capability seems a lot more important now than it did when B-2s were first deployed. They're hard to spot on radar, but chances are you've seen a B-2 bomber. One of the ominous-looking black bat-wing planes flew over Coffin Stadium for Royals opening day. The U.S. Air Force has been flying B-2s for more than three decades. But defense analyst Richard Avalathia says that the most expensive and advanced plane ever built seemed almost of a bygone era 
as soon as it was ready to fly. It's sort of got a fascinating history. It was one of the great uh, marvels of the Cold War. And, uh, you know, against the Soviet Union, it was going to be one of those uh, enabling weapons that would allow us to win the Cold War, except, of course, the Cold War ended. The Berlin Wall, once it divided east from west, now on its way to becoming an artifact of history. The Berlin Wall came down five months after the B-2's first public flight. By the time that B-2s were first deployed to Whiteman Air Force Base, the Soviet Union had dissolved. Didn't need a bomber to sneak nukes into Soviet airspace anymore. So the Air Force retooled the plane and its mission. Along with nukes, it would carry precision-guided conventional bombs and cruise missiles, striking difficult, well-defended targets in Kosovo, Libya, and Iraq. But only 21 B-2s were built, driving the cost above $2 billion apiece. That is more than the annual gross domestic product of 43 different countries for a single copy. And they cost millions a year to maintain. And the idea of a major power like Russia today or China today being a serious threat to U.S. interests really was seen as decades out. Unfortunately, uh, decades out was correct, and here we are. Facing the possibility of war with Russia or China. And now a bomber built for the Cold War seems relevant again. Owen Cote, associate director of the Security Studies Program at MIT, says the decades-old stealth technology built into the B-2 still works. I mean, stealth is an old technology now at this point, but radar is even older. And we're still using radar to find aircraft. B-2s are hard to pick up on radar, partly because of their flying wing design, partly because of the radar-absorbing material coating the plane. And it's been super successful. No B-2 has ever been shot down. In fact, we don't even think that we've ever even been seen on radar. Todd Berge is a former B-2 pilot. He says the bombers aren't just stealthy. They have enormous range, allowing them to hit anywhere in the world from anywhere in the world. You take my combat sortie, for example, uh, flew 34.6 hours, took off from Whiteman Air Force Base and uh, flew all the way over to Iraq, turned around and came back without stopping. Uh, that's a lot of money. Being able to fly so far also allows B-2s to take the long way around powerful radar systems that could detect them at a distance. And there's something else. B-2s can haul an enormous amount of explosive power, up to 80 500-pound bombs, each dialed in to a different target. And, of course, they can also carry nuclear weapons. China is reportedly developing a stealth bomber to rival the B-2. Meantime, Richard Abelathia says the U.S. is testing a second-generation long-range stealth bomber, the B-21. It's said to look an awful lot like a B-2, only with much more modern subsystems and technologies. And, of course, incorporating everything we learned about stealth combat aircraft design for the past 30 years. So that's going to be a wonder weapon. The problem is it really won't come online until later in this decade. The Air Force expects to buy well over 100 B-21s and base perhaps a third of them at Whiteman. But for now, if the United States decides to hit a well-defended military target in Russia or China, that strike will probably come from a B-2 bomber. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Frank Morris. Kansas lawmakers are on the verge of letting students attend public schools outside the districts where they live. That push to open enrollment pits conservative school choice advocates against school administrators. Kansas News Service education reporter Suzanne Perez spoke with editor Stephen Caranda about the proposal. 
So Suzanne, what exactly is open enrollment and how would it work under this proposal? So two bills got tentative approval uh, in the Kansas legislature this year. They essentially would let students attend public schools outside the district where they live, uh, only as long as there is space in those districts. So every district would have to establish a policy that defines what capacity means at every grade level. And then every spring, they declare the number of open seats they have available. Who is really pushing for this idea? And why do they say we need open enrollment? Well, it's mainly conservative lawmakers who who favor school choice measures like vouchers. This is another way to help parents move their kids out of local public schools. They say kids should be allowed to transfer to a different district if their school is failing academically, for instance, or if they're being bullied or they just want something different. It's also partly a response to the closing of school buildings during the COVID pandemic. So, you know, districts had various schedules for returning to in-person classes, for remote classes. And during that time, there, uh, there were a lot of parents who were looking for spots outside their district. During the State House hearings on this, I know some of the people pushing back were school administrators. Why are they opposed to this idea? Right. They're pushing back in a big way, actually. So the opponents are mainly uh, suburban districts that sit outside of Wichita and Kansas City, Kansas. Those are two, you know, high need urban districts with higher income suburban districts around them. So these suburban district superintendents really worry about a flood of students coming from these struggling urban schools. And and they think that they're just not prepared for this influx of students. I recently spoke with Brett White, who is superintendent of the Andover District outside of Wichita. So he says it's hard enough projecting enrollment within his district, which is growing every year. So that requires bond issues to build new schools and to hire more teachers. We've been strategic in our planning as far as when do we need new facilities. And so to completely disrupt that, I don't see the logic in doing that. Several superintendents in Johnson County lobbied hard against this proposal, saying housing costs in their district actually provide a natural check on enrollment growth. So these school officials have been making arguments against this legislation. How have lawmakers been responding? Well, it's interesting because Senator Renee Erickson, a Republican from Wichita, went so far as to call their arguments elitist. Here's what she said on the floor of the Senate. And based on what the superintendent said, I think it's very clear. We want our high socioeconomic status to remain. We're born on third and think we hit a triple and we don't want anyone interfering with that. One issue with this legislation, though, is that it doesn't provide for transportation for children to go to schools outside their districts. So opponents say it's actually elitist itself because only wealthy families who can afford to drive their kids to school will take advantage of it. Meanwhile, that would leave struggling urban districts with uh, more high-need students and then less state funding to support them. Are any school districts accepting students from outside their boundaries right now? Actually, yes, most districts offer some type of waiver. Usually it's for children of people who work there. Uh, But that's really determined at the local level by local school boards. But if this open enrollment measure is passed, then all districts would have to have a policy in place and report that to state officials. What happens with this legislation now? I understand both the House and Senate have already advanced it. So, right, lawmakers are on break right now, but they're expected to tackle this and school finance when they get back. It's not really clear if Governor Laura Kelly would support this measure, but I guess we'll find out when they come back to Topeka.
That's education reporter Suzanne Perez speaking with Stephen Caranda. The Kansas News Service is a collaboration of KCUR, KMUW, Kansas Public Radio, and High Plains Public Radio. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomeen Ujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Suzanne's reporting on open enrollment in Kansas and Frank's story on the B-2 bomber, visit kcur.org, where you can also find a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll hear about the fight to raise teacher pay in Missouri. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.